0: all remember that toilet paper shortage we had recently? Y'all remember that? How strange. I always thought the end of the world would kind of happen a little bit differently, you know? Who would have thought? No toilet paper. I can think of a lot of things that should have gone first before toilet paper. I mean, namely coffee. You know, coffee... That, that should have gone first uh, Milk, bread, meat, rice, eggs I know some of these things were in shortage But toilet paper seemed to take the biggest hit I, I read this shirt it, it had this statement on it I survived the toilet paper shortage of 2020 The world will never forget Yeah, we've survived through some tough stuff this last year And you know what was driving all of this? I I read some research. Listen to what they say about why this happened. In mid-March, as the coronavirus cases started their sharp climb, many Americans appeared to have one thing in mind before hunkering down. Buy lots of toilet paper. But not everyone grabbed every role in sight, and research offers insights into why some people scrambled for toilet paper while others held back. The study looked at whether, the person, whether different personality traits were associated with toilet paper hoarding. And the study found that stockpilers tended to be more anxious and fearful about the coming health threat compared with those who didn't load up on the product. Now, I know none of us did that, right? I know none of us were hoarding toilet paper. But all of us do struggle with anxiety. Amen? We all struggle with having anxious thoughts. And while this story, you know, it's comical to think of all the toilet paper that people bought, we all struggle with thoughts that drove these decisions, with Anxiety Even mentioning the word Might bring anxiety Well the Lord has something to say to you this morning If you've struggled with this The Lord has something to say And the word of God What it does is it provides for us Both correction And encouragement That's what we need with anxiety Isn't it? We need correction and encouragement With that short preface, let's go ahead and open up to Philippians 4 6. This morning, we're going to be studying a powerful passage, one that our anxious age needs to hear. Life is better now than it ever has been, and yet I feel that people are more anxious now than they've ever been. Social media, technology, a constant feed of news makes us more anxious. We have the election coming up. We have the virus still going on. We have our own challenges. Challenges of life that we all approach anxiously. What does God have to say to us? What does God want us to do? Philippians 4 6. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. Let your requests be made known to God. This passage is very simple. The sermon's very simple. Paul gives three commandments to us here. Three points of application. And these three points will form the points of my sermon. And once again, my hope is that you would be both challenged and encouraged. Let's move to the first point taking this right from the passage do not be anxious the first thing that God wants us to do is he wants us to not worry he wants us to not be anxious now before we dive into this text there's a kind of a cultural background that we need to tackle we live in the age of victimhood we live in the age of secular psychology and the way that a secular psychologist is going to approach anxiety is very different Than how the Apostle Paul attacks it. Very different than the way that the Apostle Paul approaches it. What you're going to hear from a secular psychologist is going to be different than what the Word of God teaches us. And the first thing we must remember as we approach the Word of God is we need to emphasize personal accountability, personal responsibility. Personal responsibility is not something you'll hear very much in our age, we're seen as victims. We are caught to the whims of various forces. We either are either a victim of ourselves, of our own thoughts, or something else. And dear friend, there are victims in this world, no doubt. There are. But the Bible does not approach us and talk to us and speak to us as victims. We are people who make sinful choices, and therefore we are responsible. The first step that we need to take in approaching, account, in approaching anxiety is to remember that we are accountable to God for how we think and feel. We are responsible. We are not victims to our thoughts who are therefore not responsible. We have a responsibility towards God, towards regarding thinking and feeling in a certain way. That has to be emphasized. And it also has to be emphasized the, the nature of hope. With anxiety, it can oftentimes feel and seem like there's no victory in this battle. Everything that you've done has not brought help and aid to you. Dear friend, we have hope with the gospel. Jesus is alive. The Bible says that he has died for your sins and that he lives forever. Therefore, what that means for you is that you can have victory over your sins. You can have victory over your anxiety. Looking at the passage, if you're reading an ESV, you'll notice that verse 6 does not begin with a new sentence. Verse 6 in the ESV is the continuation of a sentence that began in verse 5. And the sentence begins in verse 5 with the Lord is at hand. We touched on this last week. The Lord is at hand. What this means is that Christ is close to us, both in terms of time and space. Nothing can separate the believer from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. That's the basis of Paul's exhortation here. The reason why we shouldn't be anxious is that Christ is with us. Christ is close. Christ is not far off. Christ knows your struggle. Christ knows your need. Therefore, don't be anxious. Do not fear. As the Lord says over and over again in the Gospels, Do not fear. I am with you. Now, to better understand how we should not be anxious, we need to understand what exactly anxiety is. What exactly is this nature of anxiety? Anxiety can be a difficult thing to pinpoint. And I think the difficulty shows up in this passage as well. Looking at the passage, Paul says, Do not be anxious. This word for anxiety or do not be anxious is Mary Monato. Mary Monato. Do not be, Paul is saying, Mary Monato. Now remember what Paul says here Remember that verb And let's go to Philippians 2.20 I want to show you something very interesting So Paul says in our passage Philippians 4.6 Do not be Mary Minato And then in 2.20 Paul here is speaking of Timothy Paul says this of him for I have no one like him, I have no one like Timothy, who will be genuinely concerned for your welfare. This verb here for concerned is the same verb that shows up in Philippians 4.6. In Philippians 4.6, Paul says, Do not be Minato. Here in 2.20, he is praising Timothy for being Mary Minato for the Philippians So comparing these two ideas In one passage, our passage Paul discourages Paul exhorts for us to not Be Mary Minato And in 2.20 he praises Timothy for being Mary Minato What's the synthesis? How do we understand this? I think some of the difficulty that we have In understanding these two uses of the same verb Relate to what exactly anxiety is Anxiety is not Concern for others Anxiety is more than that And we'll get to that in a second But anxiety is not just concern for others Being concerned for others Is something that you ought to have For other people Just like Timothy Timothy You think of a a mother of a young child And let's say this child is sick This mother needs to be concerned about her child She might need to take necessary steps towards having this child feel better Giving the child medicine Taking the child to the doctor Something like that And it would be unloving for this mother to not show that concern So that's good We want to be like that We want to show concern for other people But the tricky thing with being concerned about other people Is that concern can very easily trick over, trickle over to worry So using this same mother who has a sick child This mother who has anxiety is also concerned about her child She takes her child to the doctor She gives her child the medicine that the doctor prescribes She cares for the child and is attuned to the child's need. That's good. But what happens with anxiety is it takes it a step further. And anxiety happens in the mind, in the heart. So what's going on in this mother's heart is that rather than just being concerned and letting it stop at that, this mother begins thinking about what life will be like if the child dies what life will be like at the funeral as she's burying her child all of the immense grief and difficulty that this mother will experience if the child dies she's immediately propelled to that idea of those ideas rather than just keeping it at the level of the child is sick the child has a fever The mother's mind goes to the absolute worst. What the next 20, 30 years will be like grieving the loss of this child. Maybe this is the only woman's child. Now she might be childless. And her mind goes. And it goes down these rabbit holes of dread and despair. While the child only has a normal fever. Anxiety tends towards being irrational. Anxiety tends towards taking a small truth, the child being sick, and running with it to the worst scenario. Anxiety controls us and it grips us. And we're immediately left with despair and hopelessness. That's what anxiety is. Anxiety is taking concern. And yet, moving it to a step of deep darkness, irrational deep darkness. It's being unduly concerned, irrationally concerned, and our thoughts gripping us and taking us in every which direction, which is dark and dreadful. So that's the difference. Concern, good. Be concerned. Be concerned for one another. Be concerned for your children. Be concerned for yourself. Do not be anxious. Anxiety is concern without God. Anxiety is concern without the belief that there is a loving Heavenly Father who cares for us. Anxiety is the belief that there is no God and that we are in total control of our personal destiny. How fearful a thought. That is what anxiety is. Be concerned dear friend Do not be anxious Now I also read online That people who struggle with anxiety Do not find it helpful To be told Do not be anxious I read that And so the sermon is not going to end yet I still have more to say I have a second point But dear friends, I want us to see that this is a commandment. This is a commandment from our Lord. In which we need to repent. And we need to have hope that victory is possible. And in place of being anxious. In place of having those thoughts of dread. What should we do? This is my second point. Very simple arises very naturally from the text. Pray. Do not be anxious, first point, and then second point. Pray. Looking again at the passage, do not be anxious about anything. That's what what we're not supposed to do. We're not supposed to be anxious. But in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. What Paul prescribes here for the anxious Christian is prayer. Simple prayer. I'm reminded as I study through these passages week after week, in the Christian life, is very simple. Trust and obey. We need to pray. The way we combat our anxious thoughts, the way we combat our dread, the way we combat all of these dark thoughts is by means of prayer. Paul mentions prayer three times in this passage. But in everything, by prayer and supplication, let your requests be made known to God. Prayer is so central in the Christian life. To speak with God, to bring Him your needs, to tell Him what He already knows, is one of the most joyous experiences we can have in this world showing forth to God our dependence on him that's what prayer is i want us to notice this verb let let your requests be made known to god what tense of verb is this is it past present or future it's present and just to remind you what Paul says elsewhere 1 Thessalonians 5:17 pray without ceasing pray without ceasing the christian life is one of continual awareness of our need for god our continual awareness of the fact that we are not in control we have very little control over our lives And in place of that, rather than fearing that, what we do is we entrust ourselves to a Heavenly Father who loves and cares for us. Continually, always, never ceasing. Let your requests, let the burdens that are on your heart, let it is that what is troubling you, the fears that are deep in your heart, take those and let God know about them. He already knows you're not telling him anything he doesn't know already he knows but what we do when we pray is we show forth our dependence on God we give away any false notion that we might have of the control that we have on our lives and we give our problems and our fears to God and prayer what prayer is the reason why Paul prescribes prayer here The reason why Paul prescribes unceasing constant prayer is because prayer is based upon the idea of depending on God. What anxiety is, is anxiety, when we are anxious, we say to the world and to God that we are in control of our lives, that we are the masters of our destiny, that there is no one to protect us, so therefore we are in control of our lives. It's a rejection of God. Anxiety is the acknowledgement of total self dependence. Prayer, when we pray, what we are doing is we are acknowledging to the world and to God that we are not in control of our lives. We acknowledge to God that we need His help and that we need His grace and that we need Him to intervene in our fears. Prayer is simply the expression of our dependence on God. That's why prayer is so important. Central to the idea of Christianity is that we are helpless and that we are sinful. And the antidote to that is not ourselves, it's not us. The solution to all of life's problems taking anxiety specifically is God. He is the ultimate answer to all of life's problems. And the way we express this to God, the way we show forth our dependence on Him is through prayer. Unceasing, unending prayer. And dear friends, I can testify this week of the power of prayer. I, one of the struggles that I have Praying. I struggle to pray. Prayer does not come naturally to me. It's something that I have to work at over and over. I know for many of you saints, you're prayer warriors. That doesn't come easy for me. So if you're thinking of ways to pray for me, pray for my prayer life. But as I study this passage this week, dealing with my own anxieties, I have anxieties just like you, fears. As I studied this passage this week And was confronted with my fears And how anxiety is like something that's Can sometimes be on the back burner It's kind of background noise It might not be immediate but it's back there And you don't even know it You're just kind of irritable Kind of upset Kind of at odds with something And the Lord showed me that It's anxiety And so as the Lord impressed this passage upon my heart And as I fellowshiped with him through prayer As I gave him my burdens and my requests, what he filled me with is his peace and his mercy. And that peace, dear friend, invaluable. One of the greatest experiences we can have in this world is experiencing the peace of God. The peace that God gives. And next week, we'll jump into this peace in verse 7. Philippians 4, 7. We'll cover this piece, but that's what we get whenever we give God our requests and our burdens. God fills us with peace, and joy, inexpressible peace and joy. And then, in the, in the midst of difficulty, the difficulty's still there, but we have this settled conviction that God cares for us, and that God is good, and that though life may be chaotic and difficult, that we are set on Christ. And Christ will never die again. And his word to you is sure. And what happens whenever God puts that in your heart? Inexpressible peace and joy. And satisfaction. That's what we get with prayer. That's why we should pray. Exchange your burdens of anxieties and fear for an inexpressible peace and joy. express your dependence on God through prayer. Last point. First point was do not be anxious. Second point was pray. And our third point, be thankful. Be thankful. Looking again at the passage, do not be anxious about anything but in everything by prayer and supplication. And then we have this really important prepositional phrase. With thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. Paul is saying here that we should not only pray, but that we should pray with a thankful heart. Thanksgiving, pray thankfully. Once again, relating this to anxiety... What's the relationship? Why thanksgiving? Why is Paul commanding here to pray with thanksgiving? I take it to be related to this. Anxiety, when we are anxious, there is an overemphasis on the negative, on the discouraging discouraging aspects of our life. So let's say that you are anxious about money. Your thoughts will be something like this. Well, I need this money because I'll need to pay for these bills. What if I don't have enough money for this? What if with the farm this happens and these are the consequences? And all of these examples are negative, negative, negative. You take with your health. Anxiety with your health. Well, what if I get sick? What if I get COVID? What if I have to go to the hospital? What if I die? Negative, negative, negative. Let's say you're anxious about what the future holds, the coming election. Well, what if this happens? What if America is torn apart? What if there's an increasing social unrest? Those are anxious thoughts. Those are anxious questions. And they're negative. They're bad. Anxiety is focused on the bad, on the negative. Now, Thanksgiving is different. What Thanksgiving does is it does not focus on the negative, it focuses on the positive. So, taking money a thankful thought is God, thank you for the money that you have provided. Thank you for your provision in the past Thank you that my family has never gone without a meal Thank you how you have been so faithful To financially provide for my family Thank you for your faithfulness to me in the future I can be sure of your faithfulness in the future Because of your faithfulness to me in the past That's thankfulness, that's not anxiety Thankfulness is a focusing on the good What it is that you have Take your health God, thank you for the life that you've given me. Thank you for the life that you've given me and other people. Thank you for my loved ones. Thank you for blessing me with family and their presence. Thank you for their health. Thank you for the memories that we've had. Thank you for your faithfulness to us. That's thanksgiving. The future. Lord, you have told me in your word that you will be faithful to me in the future. I don't know what the future holds, but I know that Jesus Christ has risen from the dead and that all of life is a playing out of your sovereign plan. Thank you for your control. Thank you for your love. You see the change in perspective. Anxiety is negative. Anxiety is an overemphasis of the bad. And oftentimes, anxiety is not true. What we do with anxiety is we take a small truth And we take it to its worst end And how often Is the worst possible end How often does that happen I would imagine seldom But faithfulness is proven God's faithfulness is proven And our thanks to him Is based upon what is true Our thankfulness is based upon reality it's based upon God's faithfulness. Not some conjecture. Not some question mark. But the resurrection of Jesus Christ. What we do by being thankful is we exchange negative uncertainty with true encouragement. Paul encourages us to move away from these negative thoughts. Do not focus on the bad possible bad but focus on the faithfulness of god what it is that he has done and what it is that he will do and the blessings that are in your life an attitude of gratitude it's simply a changed perspective and dear friends to close this morning just another personal takeaway that i've had from this passage I'm reminded once again of the simplicity of the Christian life. What God wants us to do, He has already given us. You don't need to go to a doctor to pray. You don't need medication to be thankful. Now dear friends, let me be clear here taking medication for anxiety is okay I'm not saying do not do that there are many ways we can address these mental and soul issues that we have and medication for you might be what you need to do but dear friends we must remember how the Bible describes anxiety your anxiety is a manifestation of your faithlessness Your anxiety is a manifestation Of your lack of dependence on God Yes there are issues Yes I imagine there are issues That go on in the physical structures Of your brain When you have anxious thoughts I affirm that But what we most need In life What matters most Is a dependence on God More so than medication. What you need is redemption. From your sins. And because of the love and grace of God. Because of his kindness and faithfulness to you. Because of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Because he has lived. He has died. He has risen for you. And one day he will come again to rescue you. Because of that. You can have victory over your anxious thoughts You can have hope You can have encouragement You can have a settled peace In this world You can have a foretaste Of what glory will be like Right now And we will study That peace Next week We will study what exactly the peace of God is And I encourage you To read Philippians 4-7 In preparation for next week, God is the answer to all of your problems. God is the answer to your anxiety. God is the answer to your anxious spirit. And my hope and prayer is that you feel that in your heart. You feel that conviction, but you also feel the encouragement and hope that we have in Christ. God is good. And his power is for you in Christ. And we can and should have victory over our anxiety. Father, I pray for the anxious saint this morning, for the saint who has struggled with anxiety for so long, and the anxiety of struggling with anxiety, Lord, they have, and the difficulty that they have with it, the restlessness of their thoughts. Oh, Father, encourage them. Lord, cause them to see that all of the answers to life's problems are found in you. And that because of Jesus Christ, they can have victory over this. They can address this. They can pray. They can be thankful, Father. And I pray that you would produce in us this hope, this thankfulness that we so desperately need. That you would turn us from our dependence on ourselves. Turn us from our wayward belief that we are in control of our circumstances. And Father, by your Spirit, produce in us a desire and a drive towards dependence on you. We pray that we would be thankful. We pray that we would be more reflective of what it is that we have and less reflective on what it is that we do not have. Cause us not to miss the blessings that are right in front of us. Give us an attitude of gratitude, Father, to combat our anxiety. To be thankful for every breath that you have given us. For every sunshine, for every hug, for every meal. All of these are manifestations of your kindness and grace. And we deserve nothing. Father, help us. Help those dear saints. Help us as we wade our our way through this anxious age. Grant us your peace, hope, and comfort in Christ. And in his name we pray.